Hello and welcome back to the Inner Call podcast. If we haven't met yet, my name is Fleur. It's so nice to meet you. I am an intuition teacher, spiritual author, and the reason that I host this podcast is to teach you to trust your intuition, to trust that inner call. I believe we all have one. I believe that when we, or I know that when we access that inner call, that inner trust, we live a more expansive life. We build confidence. We can make decisions for ourselves without needing any kind of external validation. And it is a superpower every single person experiences in this lifetime. The guests that I have on this podcast are varied. They are varied because I want to show that to you. There isn't one type of person that has access to that inner call. It is in every field. It is every type of person. It is in every kind of story. So last week I chatted with actor Alexander Ludwig. And this week I'm bringing on one of my own mentors. His name is Praful. Very different type of person. Alexander Ludwig, actor, creative, spiritual. And then Praful, as you'll come to find, is a counselor, a therapist, a coach. He works with trauma. He works with emotional literacy. He works energetically. I mean, I also want to just acknowledge that Praful has shaped my life. So I want to start there, actually, just to explain how special this episode is for me. Because one of the things that I found in my own journey was that at a certain point I was like, okay, you cannot be intuitive, you cannot access that inner call without kind of sifting through, sorting out the emotional gunk that we accumulate naturally in our lives. That is not unique to me, it is not unique to you. We are going to go through life ideally opening up our heart, following our heart, but things get in the way. We've got trauma that shows up. We've got grief. We've got anger. We've got unprocessed situations. Whatever it is, you're going to go through experiences in your life that are going to maybe bring you to your knees. And it is very helpful then to have a therapist, a counselor, a life coach, someone who's in your corner to help you sort through that. And I truly believe that if we don't sort through it, if the emotional gunk gets stuck and we don't want to look at it because it's uncomfortable and the nervous system gets triggered and now we're living in a heightened state all the time, if we don't do that work, we cannot access the inner call. And I believe we all have some level of work to be done, right? If you're living a human life out there and you're taking chances and you're living the biggest life you can, you're going to come up against some heartbreak, against some pain, against some disappointments, all of it. So this is how I met Perfool because I went to a retreat called Path of Love for myself, by myself. And it was during one of that times in my life where I had been doing a lot of deep interpersonal work, but I needed a little bit more. Path of Love is that bit of more. It is a seven day silent retreat. They take away your phone. They take away your laptop. If you have an Apple Watch, they take it away. Like any communication you could have to the outside world, they take it away from you. It's incredible. And you go in and you do some really deep emotional work. Now, when you go in, you're in a group and you have a mentor, if you will. You've got a person who's guiding you through it in much the same way that if you came to one of my retreats, you know, I would guide you through it. Profool was my guide. 
in that work. And I cannot say enough good things about this man. You're going to hear it yourself, but just listening to his voice puts a smile on my face. He lives with such an open heart. He walks the walk. He talks the talk. He's honest. He's vulnerable. Because as you'll hear us talk about, this is not something where you go in and you do your work and you just, you know, you're done. It's not that. Working on the self, working on this intuition, working on this internal call is a lifelong journey. It is so worth it, but it is lifelong. And to open up that vessel for yourself is deep work. It's beautiful work. And then to have a guide like I had, like to have Praful, is just so meaningful. I'm really honored that he came on this podcast, the first podcast apparently that he's ever done, which what an honor. And I know that you're going to get a lot out of this because he shares about his own struggles. He shares about his methodology, the way that he kind of sees our challenges in the world and how we can move through them. We talk a lot in this episode about family structures. Um, his work is called Family Constellations. It's about identifying how you energetically show up in your family. What are the responsibilities you've taken on? What are the boundaries you might need to put in? Uh, so if that's something that you know may resonate for you, I would really encourage to listen to that last bit of the episode, the last 20 minutes or so, where we really do a deep dive into family constellations. So without any further ado, I want to introduce Praful to you. He works at the Path of Love Retreat, but he's also trained in life coaching, trauma healing, counseling, family and systemic constellations. He works with primal work. He works with breath therapy, NLP, bioenergetic, body work, and meditation. I hope you enjoy our conversation as much as I did. And please take a moment to review the show, give us a few stars, and tell us what you think about it so far. It's really going to allow me to bring on more of these very special guests, people that I just people that I just cannot wait to share with you, people that mean so much to me. So thank you for being here. Thank you for listening to the Inner Call podcast. We made it. We're here. We made it. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for being here. I was I was really excited to to chat with you because for me, if I think back in my last five years as to work that I've done on myself, Path of Love is like the the biggest by far, you know, the biggest by far. And you having been the facilitator and the person for me that really brought me through Path of Love, I wanted to share your your insights I guess because I I feel that they're so beautiful I know other people feel this way about you too because I I really encouraged a few friends to go to the path of love so I've heard about their experience after and uh and one of them also had you as a facilitator too so we when she came back like we compared notes of course <laughs> and we both love you is really ultimately the the uh the underlying takeaway but it but yeah it's been I think about a year and a half since I went to Path of Love and by far the most extreme experience in terms of five days <laughs> that I have ever done I just want to say thank you for inviting me 
for this and our talk and conversation with you is uh, is really beautiful. I I was thinking about you and your presence and wondering how how was for you the integration after the process in your daily life and when I received your email with the invitation of this conversation uh, really my heart felt very joyful and and in that i felt you so okay i felt you so so good you know so that responded to my wondering about you you know you know sometimes i really uh, not sometimes but many times every time that i finish a process i wonder after a while uh, of the people that have been in the process and and the wonder goes with the love and uh, you know good wishes that everyone is okay and is integrated well the work you know so yeah absolutely yeah I, I love having you here so thank you for agreeing uh, yeah I can give you a little bit as to the for me it was um it's interesting integration process because one I do this type of work with people myself but moving into it from the participant version was really wonderful at this point for me because it was one I felt a moment where I really needed to do to reconnect to myself and then the integration process hasn't just been personal but it's also been through work too so it's it's almost like because I've newly gone through a new connection to myself a new connection to my inner voice it's allowed me to be even more present for the work aspect. So it's made big personal shifts, but it's also made big work shifts. And this is one of the reasons I texted you. It was a while back, but I had just finished a retreat. And in that retreat, at the very end of that week, I thought, wow, my capacity to hold space for people is infinitely increased. And I can't say it was necessarily path of love, but it was watching you hold space. And so I really just wanted to re-say re that. I know I texted it to you, but it really was a moment for me where I was with this group of people in this retreat space. And there was something about having witnessed it and being held as a participant that gave me a different kind of knowledge as to how I wanted to hold other people too. So that was really one of the big key takeaways for me. But then there were also so many different layers in my own personal life. It just has felt like it was a little bit of a culmination of, of so many different things. I, Whenever anybody asks me about the path of love process or when I think back on it, for me, it was very much the experience of I had looked at all this stuff. It wasn't like I hadn't been looking. It wasn't as if I hadn't been doing my work. I had gone through therapy and psych K and I was doing breath work and I was meditating. And I, I was like, I like had done all the things, you know, <laughs> I was like, I have a huge toolbox and I am using everything because I think there are times in people's lives where you hit a hard thing and then you bring all the tools, but sometimes there needs to be a new tool or a new experience. And so I had really felt coming into Path of Love and coming out of it that I prior had been carrying this backpack around, 
had taken everything out of the backpack, mm. had looked at it a million times, and then just put it back in the backpack. <laughs> you know, yeah. and was yeah. like, <laughs> like it wasn't like I hadn't processed, <laughs> it wasn't like I hadn't worked on it, but it really felt like that. Of I would take it all out and I would work on it, and then I would be like, I don't know what to do with this, so I guess I'll just put it back in and carry on. And Path of Love for me was the first experience in which I was able to just take the backpack off, look at the stuff and then let it go. So that was huge because it changes everything. Yeah, it changes everything. And there's always more, right? Like, I think it's a, it's a never ending process for you, I'm sure as well. You don't just do Path of Love and you're done forever. As you say, you know, it's it's not even the intention of get rid of something, you know. Uh, I guess, of course, we all have a certain attitude at the beginning. I want to get rid of something that is, you know, it's not okay in my life, that is not, uh, not good, not flowing, you know. Uh, but after, after that attitude at the beginning, you know, I, I guess that we all realize, but I did realize this, that it's it's not about getting rid of, of anything, but it's how how can I embrace more and more and more and more what I have inside. So it's a, 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 it's a path of curiosity in, in, in my humanness, you know, how to be curious about myself, you know, how, uh, what will come today, what, what is that I will understand and learn about myself, you know, that that is basically what makes uh, this journey uh, n not ending and uh, and we know you know that the last moment of the a breath last breath on on this planet who knows I don't know what will be the understanding you know or in that right moment but I hope to arrive to that moment with this ah I hope to have more time to be more curious about myself and to get to see stuff that I've not seen. I've not had the possibility to see about myself. This is the attitude for me. So any, of course, when I go also like you, when I go in groups, you know, because I do for myself, I, I sit where participants, they sit, you know, I, I love, I enjoy that because it's like, what, what will come out this time? You know, what is, and of course, it's not by being sitting on one chair in a group that these things, they come, you know, even when we walk in the street or we go for a run or we go cycling or talk to a friend or when we have a moment of relaxation, then that connection comes straight on you know, with, you know, investigating curiosity, being watchful about oneself. That's, that's the process, you know, for me. But I'm, I'm, I want to say that I'm also very happy to hear what you said about your experience in the path of love and, uh, and uh, somehow that you have used also a lot of what you have learned into your own process, because this is what we do also. You know? We learn and then we process inside and then we transform in our own personal way. You know? And I'm, I'm super sure that your way has touched many hearts. Well, since then, even more. It's beautiful how you say that about the curiosity. One of the questions I really wanted to ask you, because it comes up so often, as I've seen in the Path of Love process, is this curiosity as to the emotions we're not wanting to express. I think a lot of people are afraid of their own anger. 
And that I that kind of conversation around the emotions that we're afraid to feel and getting curious about that, I would love to hear more of from your perspective, because I do think it speaks to that curiosity. And and yeah, and and not really being able to move through something unless you are willing to actually go there. Yes, yes. I guess we agree that feelings is all about life. You know, we have learned at certain point to be detached, you know, to numb our feelings, our emotions. You know, we all have learned that attitude. For some people more, other people less. You know, but we have also, I guess you have done the same like me. We have worked a lot to regain the connection with our feelings, you know, all the realm, all the platform of feelings, you know. And when we reconnect with feelings and emotion, we can exclude, we cannot exclude some emotions and keep some others. Okay, this is okay. This is good. This, I like it. But this one, no, better not. Better to push that away. Once we reconnect with feelings, we reconnect with all of them, you know. It has not been easy for me to connect and reconnect with anger, you know, because inside of myself, anger was associated to abuse and uh, aggressivity. You know, whenever I was uh, experiencing my father's anger, you know, beaten and overcoming my boundaries many times, physical boundaries many times. So for me, it was like a no-no place. I don't want to be like that, you know. That creates pain, you know, in somebody's body. That creates pain in somebody's emotions. That creates pain in relationship with each other. So for me, it was like, no, no way for that. I need to push that away as much as possible. I need to really put that down. But I didn't know at that time when I was kind of a kid that what I was doing was not only repressing anger, but I was repressing many other feelings together with that, you know. But lately working around that, all my traumas and all my, uh, you know, past experiences, what I, I connected, when I connected with anger, it was for me a revelation of aliveness. It was a revelation of joy, of expansion, of that fire that means passion, that means also, you know, not only saying the truth with your voice, you know, and coming in our inner strength and in my inner power also, but also how to connect with that uh, love, because anger to me is really associated to love, you know. If we see anger as a way of mm, uh, red energy, you know, f- uh, it's a full-on red explosion energy that comes, you know. You want to, it's not about only saying or doing something, but also living from inside that red red passionate energy and when that energy you know when it goes in sexuality for instance exactly that anger it's basically aliveness we create life you know we are in service of life thanks to that force for that to that uh, strong force then when we bring it you know slowly with our work we bring it into the heart 
yet is yes yet is the same energy so once i realized i started to realize that it was i was avoiding basically one of the best emotions that the divine grace has gifted all humans i was just i was my god i'm you know i i I, I'm avoiding something so big and so beautiful in my life. So I start slowly, slowly to regain that connection with anger, express it in the right way, you know. Uh, you know, we, we are so afraid so many times to say no or to say enough, uh, to say even fuck you with a certain kindness behind with a certain straightforwardness determined to set clear boundaries but also with behind that there is there is kindness because you are kind to yourself because you don't want something to happen to you but you can also inform another person with that amount of red energy with also respect and kindness and not becoming abusive or overpowering another person that's something different so I, I do see in anger a beautiful, amazing, transformative energy that can drive us from the bottom of ourselves into the higher part of ourselves. Absolutely. It reminds me, years ago, I had such a transformative opinion on that as well. I had someone give me a massage and, and it was during a period of time where I was really letting my boundaries be crossed and she stops at the end and she goes listen you know sometimes people just take and take and take and it is the greater gift to tell them that they can no longer take because that is a gift for their own learning you know and I was like well shit <laughs> I, this was just supposed to be a massage <laughs> you know and here I am I turn <laughs> upside down <laughs> But it's that exact same thing. It's like we believe it to be rude to say no more. But it's a gift for us, but also a gift for them. Absolutely. Absolutely. I feel it's 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 such a gift, you know, it's it's really a gift. It's really a gift. And as you say, you know, having a possibility to understand that it's a gift for oneself and for the other person, like anger is a gift my god it's such a gift it's really the the, the birthplace of passionate passion passion to you know aliveness to bring to enjoy this is the for me what it is to enjoy fully this life then there is a joy of giving you know there's joy of giving and giving and when it's enough as this beautiful Master told you, you know, when it's enough to give, it's enough to give. It's like, no, today I don't have it, you know? I love that. Did you, have you always had a really strong connection to something else? When you speak about this connection to prayer, when you speak about this waking up and feeling alive, feeling connected to something bigger than yourself, has that always come easy for you or was that a faith that was hard won? It's a really beautiful question. And um, yes, I have to say yes. And I, I, I need to say yes, because this is the truth, you know. 
I always have had this tendency of sensing something bigger, sensing something, I call it God. Please forgive me if that is not your word, but I, I call it God, you know, um, without giving any form. You know, it doesn't, it's not represented by a form of a man or a form of a woman. No, it doesn't have, it, it's an entity, it's something, you know, it's a kind of the air, something that I cannot see, I cannot even touch, but I can breathe, I can sense inside of myself, in my heart. And I always have had that since my childhood. When I was uh, a kid, I am one of these kids that comes from the street. I come from uh, south of Italy uh, and my uh, up, uh, upcoming, it has been in the street. I have been basically a street boy and of a family of five kids where my father and um, my mother, they basically needed, needed to work hard. We were basically all, you know, I was basically in the street all the time. And when I was in the street, I was part of some gangs, you know, uh, 15, 20 kids in the street and, and, and there were some ages, you know, if I, if you were like five years old, you were about these uh, of five, six, seven max years old, little gang. And then there was my brother that was six years older than me that was part of another gang. So I could go in the gang of him also in the street because they were teenagers already. But why I'm saying this is because I, um, when there, was, there were fights basically daily in the street, they used to come and call me, and I was five and six years old. They were coming and calling me because I was basically the peacemaker. I knew without not so many words and not so many acts in creating peace between these fighters. And it became something regular. Whenever something became big, like many of them fighting with each other, someone would run, would come to call me and I would go and I would create that certain peace. So somehow that sensitivity and that way of being a peacemaker made me sense that there was something that I was connected and I didn't know, of course, you know, from my cognitive brain, that there was something that I, it was useful for the others, but it was good for me too. You know, it was something good for me. And of course, coming from a Christian-based uh, religion in the family, Jesus was basically part of it. So behaving like a saint or a Jesus was a curse for me but also was a good possibility at the beginning, you know. And, and then slowly for me was like feeling, being that, sensing there was something inside of me that was sensitive, that was very kind also. You know, San Francis, 
I started, I started in a way to fall in love with the attitude and the teachings and the behavior that I was reading and listening of St. Francis. So that increased even more the attitude of that kindness, of that uh, peacemaking and that, that part of inside of myself. So something was growing naturally inside of me, thinking and behaving and, and um, having a certain attitude, which then it turned also to be my personality. My, my personality is structured in that way, which was not okay for me because becoming a pleaser, it was not that okay to please everybody. You know, I remember not being connected with my anger and being a pleaser. It has been all, all the time something like, yeah, put a smile up, put a good smile up, serve others, do, do, do. But then I was saying no, no, no to me and to myself, you know? So you see, from one side was my natural movement towards spirituality and towards self-connection and towards serving and towards kindness with the others. But the other side, it was against myself. It was something that was not okay for me. I, I, I was basically forgetting about me. I was forgetting to be that kind onto me, you know? People that were loving me for that reason and not for others, other reasons, you know? So yeah, that religious part inside of me or spiritual part, I was four or five years. Looking back back there, I, I see this little kid, uh, me, uh, you know, and it's so cute, I feel it. So I would have said, you know, Please also sometimes say, you know, no, I don't want to just make you know, peace between you guys. <laughs> just fight until the end. I don't want to come. I'm just here playing with my, my friends. I don't want to come, you know. But instead, I was just leaving everything and going there. And still, today, I have to say, today I need to remember myself to keep myself, you know, steady and firm in respecting myself in what is my what what are my needs and what are my you know otherwise the serving part as you know as we all know the serving part part of being there for the other and giving is so beautiful you know it gives back something to us recognition love support being seen you know blah 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 but at the end it's a it's a huge thing we need to be very attentive in having those two parts balanced. Otherwise we, we lose, right? Absolutely. I love this story because I can so see you as that four to five-year-old boy. Mm. Like that is not a <laughs> surprise at all. Mm. It so makes sense. It's like very on the nose of you being the peacemaker because you do have this gentleness and calmness, I would say. And, and lightness about you. I think that really allows people to come to that realization themselves of, yes, let's, let's come to peace. What it also makes me think of when you speak about that struggle, which is one I know very well, the, the boundaries, the setting, I'm not, I know that one <laughs> very well. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> Welcome on board. Yes, we have many of us on board, right? <laughs> yes, yes. And uh, we have to remind each other, like, no, 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 that's too much. Um, but it, it has really bled into a lot of my, of what I teach, because I started thinking 
for me, a lot of my work is, is intuition, is like helping people hear themselves. And a big realization for me was if you are externally focused or if you're giving too much externally and you forget the internal, you cannot have the inner voice. You cannot be intuitive. You won't hear it because it'll just be everybody else's voice as to what they need and what they want and what they think. And that then becomes very unbalanced. As you've grown into this sense of boundaries and creating that space for yourself, how does your own inner voice show up for your own life? Because it sounds like you, and I know you can guide other people very, very well, but how do you work with your own, your own guidance? It, you know, it, it, it become it is so spontaneous. Uh, sometimes I, you know, I, let's say I don't think even about that. It comes, it's spontaneous things, you know. So spontaneity, it's my inner voice. It has been something so natural to follow spontaneously uh, the longing and the voice. But sure, it has been even more, uh, let's say, beautiful, the, the, the work of engaging with my inner voice, my inner guidance, uh, when I have worked around my, the other voice that we have inside, the voice of the judge. You know, the voice of the critic, the voice that limits, the voice that ah, that wants to protect us, but at the end it keeps us into such a confined place and so much in the mind, so much in separation, you know. So my inner voice brings me definitely into connection. Uh, it takes me as I am, you know. Uh, it includes both parts in the shadow side and the light side. You know, it doesn't make like a distinguish and says, yes, this is okay, this not is not okay, you know. So that more and more in tune I am with that voice, more in flow I am and relaxed I am inside and grounded, I feel also in my body and on this beautiful earth planet. Um, so it has been important to distinguish first the, the other voice that comes from the mind, you know, the critic that says, you know, I should be different, I should be this, different than the other person, more male in this, less female in that, more of this, less of that, I'm not enough, you know, all these words. And getting to understand that voice and getting to... Uh, learning how to not following that voice, not giving juice and, you know, not giving strength to that voice, uh, inquiring, questioning that voice, having, uh, you know, uh, facts on the table that that voice sometimes is just, uh, you know, it's protecting, but it's not doing a good work for me. It's keeping me in separation. That has been more and more reinforcing from the other side, reinforcing the inner voice more. And the inner voice comes with emotions, comes with feelings. It comes with spontaneity. It comes with playfulness. It comes with lightness. It comes with, you know, that state that I was talking also before and wake up in the morning and, and, and taking a breath and say, thanks God, I'm alive again. Uh, one day more, another day more. Don't take it, uh, you know. And that is the inner voice that says, "Thank you. I have more space and time to be curious about myself and to see what comes up." That comes exactly from that part inside of me. But 
I have to say, without having done that kind of inner work of, you know, seeing clear that the voice that he is limiting and criticizing or the inner judge or the super ego or whatever it is, the, the words that we want to use, uh, it has been a masterpiece of work. Mm. So defining the inner guidance from the inner critic, it's a big, big piece. Yeah. Once is, you are on that path and you do that, then that inner voice is also easy to follow and to, you know, to understand and to perceive in the other people and to give that inner voice more space and more yes for it and more encouragement and more support, you know, and more care and more love for that. That is. But in resonance and empathically, we can feel it, right? It's like when you are with the person that follows the inner voice, you can feel, you can feel the vibration, you can feel it comes. So once it's feelable, my inner voice connects with that inner voice and supports. It's a kind of, you know, conversation that goes spontaneously between two human beings through that voice. And... Uh, and basically, this is part of my job, you know, it's like, it's not about mindy things, even though I like also to integrate the cognitive and the mind and the past and the future stuff. But that is not really what brings a huge transformation in me and the other human beings. But that inner voice does, definitely does. And I see it again and again, every single day that I work with people, that is my go for it thing. Yeah. Mm. yeah, that's great. That's beautiful. When you, because you do all sorts of other work as well, and Family Constellation is one of them. I'm curious as to Family Constellation work. I've done a little bit of it over the years, but how do you see that integrated back into living open-heartedly and where does that fit in? And maybe also describe family constellations if that sounds absolutely weird to some people. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, does it come, it pops up now in the conversation family constellation. It's, it's interesting. It's like, I, I like it. I like the, to go also in this direction, also because I'm very passionate about this. This. Um, oh. It's so limited to call it work, you know. It's really limited to call it um, tool tool of work. Yes, uh, you know when when uh, you know I, I I put it like this. I have received so much out of this uh, inner process. Um, or work called uh, family constellation, systemic family constellation, um, that it has really uh, challenged and transformed my way of being a child with my parents, my way of being a brother to my siblings, definitely has changed my way of relating with my wife. I don't know where I could have been without this 
inner work done with family constellations with my kids, with my girls. So by being a father. And then, of course, in relation with other people around, you know, like friends, because it has, you know, taken me in so many different uh, areas of my life and transformed that completely. Uh, it has brought up truth. It has helped me to go back to my real place in the family of origin with my my parents, my siblings. Um, and it has been a, a hell of a inner work to regain my position because I, I was off position. And my observation is that many, many, many of us, we are off our position, right position in the family of origin, you know. Uh, out of something that is called blind love. Out of love, out of connection, out of wanting to do something good in the family of origin, we have gone away from our place of being only the child and we have started to behave maybe like, for me it has been behaving like the father of my mother because she lost her father when she was six years old and I always felt her pain for having lost her father. So in a way, blindly, out of that love, I wanted to, you know, make her happy and I wanted to let her feel that she could have a father, she would have a love of the father, you know. I was not respecting my grandpa, my grandpa, because I was taking, taking his place for my mother. I was taking also the place of being the better man for my mother because my father was, you know, what I was saying before, a bit uh, not that healthy anger person, you know. So in a way, I wanted also to protect her. So I was in the middle of my father and my mother. So I was in a way also a better man for, for her going against also my father and increasing the pain of separation with my father and increasing the anger that was there because somehow my father had uh, a competitor and not a, a kid, the, you know, the fifth kid there. Uh, so, and why did I do all of that? Of course, blindly, because I felt out of love, out of service, out of wanting to do something good for for everyone, but creating even more pain in me and in them, and not and not taking any pain away from my mother, for instance, or for their relationship and everything. So, of course, that that was blind. And through this work, re regaining my place as a kid, it meant going through a huge guilt of course, taking responsibility of not serving anyone by being off of my place, of my place. Um, I, you know, uh, I felt also fear of losing those places where I, I was in, uh, because what would happen to my mother if I would leave that place? What would happen to the relationship between my father and my mother? What would happen to my siblings? also, and the rest of the people, you know, was fear. What would happen to me? Would I be, would I belong still if I am just the child and I don't do anything else 
to anybody of the family? Would I be integrated? Would I be supported, cared, or would I be, you know, rejected? There was a huge fear, of course. And, and the work it has been to shift from this blind love into what I call it and what is called also mature love, you know, conscious love, because maturely you say that, you know, I cannot save my mom. I'm not the father of my mom. I will never be the father of my mom. mom. I'm not the man of my mother. I will never be a better man. She has a man. It's my father. It's not me, you know. And if she doesn't want this man, she finds another man, but not me. I'm just a kid. And, you know, this is the mature part that brings, you know, has brought me back slowly, slowly, piece by piece, work after work, integration after integration, cry after I cry, anger after anger, disappointment after disappointment, but, you know, taking away also that sense of arrogancy, because, you know, when I go away from my place and I take other places, I feel big, I feel strong, there is a sense of arrogance there. So I needed to digest something, you know, some nuts. And then going back to that place, it has been a huge work of mature work and beautiful. I feel, you know, that has re replaced me in the right place in my family of origin. And you know, Fleur, once we go back into that right place in the family of origin, then it becomes a bit more easy when we go as a mature self in our relationships and of course in you know in, in people that with people that we know and for me it's also with my kids with my girls you know how to become the father and you know and acting in a mature way also with them of course it's a dance it's not something that once i know i don't go back into the blindness and in my unconsciousness it's a dance, you know, as a human being, we dance between the blind and the mature love and how many things I know and that I make mistakes again and again with the same shit, you know? And then I remember, wow, wait a moment, let's go back to the mature self. So if before it will take maybe days and days, now it's a shift of a moment of consciousness that brings me back into the mature love, you know? Yet it's a dance. And I have to say, Fleur, without this dance, I would not be alive. We would not be alive. It's, a, it's really the dance of life and of humanness that is beautiful. So I'm not judging myself when I know stuff and I make mistakes and I'm unconscious and blind. Here I go, well, I teach and I do this shit. Yes, I'm a human being. Nevertheless, I'm sorry. I take responsibility for what I said and I did. And... I make myself the best in order to keep in a mature way, in a conscious way. And, and I, I'm confident and trust that piece by piece, my consciousness will increase where I will not go into that blindness anymore, spontaneously, you know, naturally, I will be on the other side more and more, you know. Mm. It's true. So, so family constellation is a big, is a big thing. It's a huge, beautiful thing, and I teach with so much passion and love and creativity. Which is, you know, when you say um, the inner voice, well, that is basically where my inner voice comes. So natural, spontaneous, that the only thing that I need to do is to take my 
my personality, my ego structure away so that whatever comes, and you know what I mean, you know, whatever comes, it comes to teach me in that moment and teaching me in that moment. And that is the beautiful thing because the inner voice can teach so much and the guidance that comes from above teaches. And I'm sitting on that chair that we were talking before, you know, as a participant all the time. Even when I lead, when I, when I am there facilitating somebody else, I am in that spot in learning for myself. It's beautiful because it's true. It never, it's never going to get done. It's never going to be completed. It's a continuous dance. The happier you are in the dance, the easier the dance becomes, but it's still a dance. It's not going to go away. You're going to just be done. So I think it's so liberating when you say that, even for me to hear, because I, I watch you do your work so beautifully. And it, I think it's always really powerful to hear somebody whose work you really respect say, oh no, still doing the work. Because I also really believe in that myself. It's, there is that sense of you keep on keeping on, you keep learning new things and you keep experiencing. Yes, yeah. Yes, how can we say that we we know stuff, you know? I mean, it's so beautiful to say, I don't know. Indeed, it's so beautiful to say, I don't know. Wow, it opens, it opens such a portal, you know, for whatever needs to come and to reach my consciousness, you know, and to 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 you know to to be available for that it's, it's it's really so beautiful i found it so beautiful to say i don't know and opens really in a lot of humbleness and and to me that humbleness is very matched with humanness you know and and that's the gift that's for me it's the gift that is the to embrace more and more that you know that is, is the very spiritual the very spiritual work for me. How to embrace that humanness right here, right on this beautiful planet, you know? Right here. Yeah, it's incredible. I love it. What do you feel are your practices these days? Is meditation a big part of your work? Is breath work a big like how do you create this container to protect what you've worked? to be as you said gratitude is it's um it's something big it's something useful and something uh, handable can you say in english something that it's really you know manageable daily you know daily because how not to be grateful for so many things you know my god of course if i look at the computer and my phone and and a newspaper and you know we, we can complain until tomorrow morning you know minute after minute about all what we we know at the moment what is happening on this planet <sighs> huge stuff you know big stuff so how to not complain and but for me, it's like, okay, this is, I can, I, I can talk, I can see, I can, you know, be real about what is happening on this planet. Of course, you know, the war is not, doesn't make me happy seeing people that they fight every day and every morning for food or sleeping is not something that makes me so happy about this. You know, there is an urgency of wanting to do some, some stuff. But yet, when I go into gratitude, 
there is so many things that I can be grateful for. I mean, we can, I can end and end up really in in some months to say what I'm grateful for. You know, I'm even grateful for these glasses <laughs> that I can see you clear. <laughs> you know, for those that have invented these glasses, that I can see you finally clear. You know, and not and not foggy without them. You know, if I just go for a practical natural practical thing then of course i can go more and more and more in what i breathe what i sense what i eat what i touch what whatever you know colors but another thing that brings me in that connection is gardening for sure i am uh, i have you know into my garden i just spent so many hours and you know, just taking some some flowers, or dry flowers away, and you know, putting my hands in the in 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 the land and watching them, and you know, and being being sitting in the garden and doing also gardening is something very uh, uh, resourcing for me. You know, another beautiful resource that I do, which connects me with myself, is when I go for a run or a good walk close to the sea, you know, very simple things. I'm not into when I go cycling, you know. Uh, today I'm in Rome and I just went with a friend who is cycling a little bit. It's a springtime today, first day of spring, and it's a beautiful sunny day outside. And just, you know, going with that, cycling things and the smile and seeing so much beauty, that's another thing. Looking at things with that attitude of seeing beauty around, you know. And my God, of course, I talk about Rome, just I go around and I see beauty everywhere, you know, I see really beauty. Of course, there is a lot of shitty things in Rome that don't take care, but I, I have disconnected from looking at things that they don't work and looking at things that do work, you know, and, and they are there since many, many years. So beauty is another thing. Art is another beautiful thing to resource myself, to go back to that sense of presence, because basically meditation and gratitude and everything brings us back right here, right here, right now, right here, 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 not there, not tomorrow, not this morning, right now, you know, so everything, you know, can be that recalling back to that, that moment of presence. I love this. And it's true. My practices are also very simple. And often I find that surprises people that the practices don't have to be that big, you know, or like a daily boot camp that you put yourself through. <laughs> like it's, it can just be really simple. Yes. Uh, well, we might remember ourselves also the days that we have spent in waking up very early in the morning, first dynamic meditation or whatever meditation, and then going into this. And then I need to go. And sure, it's also needed at the beginning if you really want to shake your house in a certain way and to open as many doors as possible and to clean as much dust as been collected as much as possible, then you need to open windows and doors and, you know, every single thing to just, you know, uncover your roof, open clearly roof. And you need to do work. You need to just put yourself up 
you know, and, and, and do the stuff. So waking up in the morning, doing your practice, yoga and exercising and breathing and sitting silent and eating in a certain way and, and, and. Sure. But then when the work, major work has been done, then it's also nice to sit in a room, to look around and to say, wow, it's nice here. I've done a good work. Now I just need to just clean a bit of the dust that daily comes, but it's okay, you know, and then next room and the next room. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And then there will be a time where you got to shake the house down again, because that's life. Of course, <laughs> yeah. of course. And, this, and these things, they come, you know, loss of somebody, for instance, when it comes and someone dies, you know, it takes up a lot, a lot of stuff, you know, a lot of stuff. Uh, one and a half year ago, my father died, and I it brought up a lot of stuff for me, and I had to see, and I had to sit, and I had to be into oh every single path of love. You know that during the path of love, we as a staff we also do in a parallel way the work that you participants do. We do with the staff members. We sit down in the morning. We have one and a half hour when people, they go for their breakfast. We do our our sharing. We bring up, we open our heart. We, you know, uncover our soul. We do our meditation together, you know, to prepare the room for the participants, but also to prepare our inner room for that. And during that time when my father died, I uncovered a lot of stuff that still were there, uncovered. And it was the big process for me. So it was, it has been beautiful to be from one process to another one with the attitude, I need to do my inner work. I don't have to jump as a participant directly into a group, but I can keep myself in and out this process with that intention that I need to do this work. Then I need to do this work. I need to inquire. I need to see deeper. Even when I go to run, I don't lose myself. It's like a group that end, that goes for three months, four months, five months. You know? And that has been my inner work for five months after my the fa my father died. I, I Day in, day out, was in a group. I was running. I was in a garden. I was doing the job. During the night, I was waking up. And the inquiry was there, and this and, and the investigation around what has been unsaid, uncovered, and uh, undone with my father. What did I? What what could I have done better, differently? What could I? You know, that was my my piece of work. I this is my attitude, you know. And when it's not okay like this and i need really a defined process then i jump into a defined process for seven days for myself and i do it it makes me wonder with the family constellation work that you had done with your father did you ever discuss that with him prior to his passing uh, uh, no let me say like this with my father it has been um, I I uh, I could not really discuss in a certain way with my father. Um, I could have done, but I I there was not that interest from him, him uh, his his side of um, the way I was. Uh, living spiritually my life, you know, or a therapeutic way. He has been a very simple person, you know. He himself has never gone to a school, uh, so he didn't know how to write and how to read. Uh, 
Um, so all my learnings and my stuff, I needed to be very careful that whatever I would bring, it was not like teaching him or telling him, but and not because otherwise I would have gone off my place as a child and becoming like a superior man or somebody else for my father, but not the child of my father. So in his way of talking and his way attitude of sharing, it was very simple. You know, a conversation with him would last maybe 30 seconds uh, and it would last like, what did you eat? What have you been eating? Like South of Italy things, you know, what have you done? That's it. No, no more stuff. So with my father, in the interest, interested work, it has been in bringing in practice what I was realizing. And by saying that, it was at the attitude of being the child with him, the attitude of respecting him in his capacity of knowing stuff, for learning, you know. Uh, you know, with a person, I'm not saying that, I mean, what I want to say that is that he's, he has been such an intelligent guy, intelligent, because to bring up a family and five kids and falling down from the sixth floor when he was a carpenter, not dying, being kind of six years in and out in a hospital and, you know, fighting for his life and then having more to other kids and and bringing up the family in a way it has been a marvelous way to see this man engaging with intelligence higher intelligence and but you know going he, he never drew, he never drew a um uh, drive drove a car so he always had a Vespa, you know, we all went with this Vespa around. And it was beautiful when I was behind this Vespa. He was just, he knew where to go without reading the descriptions where he needed to go. He just was looking at the color and that color meant something. He learned that it meant something, though he was bringing me exactly to the hospital, knowing that it was the hospital because we had that kind of color design, you know? So when I come back to the things that I learned through the family constellation, for me it was not, I don't have to communicate to him these things because I know that he would not engage with that, with that kind of language, you know? But I can practice what I learned with him and seeing if there is a change or transformation between our way of relating. And sure, made so much relaxation between him and me because be, by me being back as a child and respecting him and honoring him in, in his way and ways uh, and not bringing any attitude, certain attitude of I know more and I you know I'm, I, I have a certain different wiseness and that has not been the game between me and him or him and me. So it has been beautiful to see him behaving like a father sensing him like a father because he was always behaving like a father but for me to sense him to sense him a father the big one and for him to sense me a child and be there and be tender also with me uh, even before he died it was an amazing amazing experience amazing experience so i don't know if i answer your question but i you absolutely yeah. did. You absolutely yeah. did. And I think it's 
it's so profound. There are so many relationships we want to transform where we want to have that heart to heart that we know the other person isn't going to meet us halfway. And yet that doesn't mean we can't create the shift. We don't have to necessarily wait for the other person to one day in a million years say, okay, I'm ready, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes. It it can come from from you and and that's enough. So I think you answered it beautifully and it's so touching to Mm. hear. And and in, in, in you know it, it to me it has brought connection to my father it has brought also love which means connection to me and an enjoyable silence also when we were together you know there is there is so much time spent in silence but when you feel discomfort in silence. But there, in that silence, I was feeling deeply my father, and he was, I know, he was feeling me also in that silence. And I guess silence was also a way for him to feel and to communicate. Yeah, the family constellations, they have been absolutely a great tool of replacing myself. Thanks God. Thanks God, really. No, that's wonderful. I just went to go see my grandmother and she's, she just turned 90, 96, 96. Ooh. And she's, yeah, she's old, old, old lady. Amazing that she's still around. But it was the first time that she didn't recognize me as, as a grandchild. And because she's got Alzheimer's now, you know, and I have always in the last two, three years, I'm the only grandchild she did remember. So that was like a little bit of a chip on my shoulder. Of, you know, she's <laughs> forgotten the rest of you, but she remembers me. <laughs> That's so good. These things become so precious, you know. <laughs> but, but this time, you know, she didn't remember me. But the oh. conversation and a very funny thing happened where I had held on to this idea of, well, she remembers me. And that's the important thing. Yeah. But the most beautiful connection I've ever had with her was in the her not remembering me because we I, I went and I just sat with her for three hours and we didn't really speak that much. We just sat. And when I left, my uncle told me that she turned to him and she says, you know, I don't know the lady that was here, but she's an incredible woman. And <laughs> I was like, that is actually the most beautiful Ooh. thing. She doesn't know who I am. <laughs> but it was so beautiful you know so, where i just kind of let go of the the role i was holding on to which was the grandchild well. that she remembered <laughs> isn't that just oh, it's it's so lovely so beautiful. It's so beautiful it was so lovely um but it kind of reminds me of that as to how we really hold on to what it should look like yes. and then if we can make a little bit of room for what it is, it can yeah. actually be yes. a more beautiful experience in a way. You know, can can I share something? It, yeah, it comes absolutely. In, uh, again, another piece with my, my father. I mean, I, I could talk also with my mother, but my mother was absolutely more fluent and, uh, it, you know, it was a connection, you know. And, uh, I've done some work also on that, but it was there already connection until she died. She died uh, 12 years ago. Uh, you know, when I had this, this uh, 
when you had this uh, special moment with your grandma that she could feel you without knowing and without having that mind set up you know that she's my grandchild i had it my father with the body of my father dead one and a half hour after he he, he died uh we were down, the, our, as siblings, we were in, in the garden because it was during COVID time. Fortunately, he didn't die out of COVID. So we could see him in the, how do you call it, the place where they, in the hospital, they bring the people, dead people, and they bring obitor or... Ob, moratorium? Obitor. Say it again. The moratorium? Exactly. So they bring down, and so then the parents they can see, you know. Uh, sorry, the the the, the family, the uh, related people can see the, the, the dead body. So uh, it was there. It was lying down on this bench, and I uh, uncovered his face. He had still the mask, the the the, the form of the mask on his face, and. It, it, it died just one and a half hour before, so it was still warm. And I did something that I basically did just very few times with him, you know, caressing, you know, touching, you know, touching his body, saying thank you, saying I love you, daddy. Things that I, I, I did just one time to say him I love you, but this goes to another moment when we have maybe another uh, another talk. But in that moment, I was so connected that Fleur, it, and it was my brother also in the room, so he saw exactly the same thing that I saw. Suddenly, there was a smile on his face. Wow. So and special. he had he had no smile in his face, so he had it. We saw we we were crying and we saw the smile. He said, "You see, yeah, I see what you see." And that was exactly no words can explain, but that connection that he could feel exactly that you know love and connection and the caress and the gentleness and the tenderness and the closeness and the gratitude for what what he has done and the pain that he was just that he, he left without us holding maybe his hands because he was basically alone there so but that smile told me you know exactly what your grandmother told to these people you know that recognition of, you know, the beauties that we ha have inside and, and the truth of that connection that is there and, you know, and the authenticity of that realness, you know, that goes, they That's go beyond, special. yeah, very special. Very special. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. How incredible. Yeah. That's such a special moment to have with, with someone that, that you thought you had to have it with in life. Like there's that sense of, we feel that we can't, we have to have it in life, right? It's a failure if it's not in life. But yet it's available even after, which is incredible. Mm. Yes, yeah. it's feelable even after, I know that's, that's that, that what taught me. It's really like something like this can be 
it's so feelable even you know with no breath no more oxygen in the body not running blood it's still there somewhere so i i cherish this precious moment of connection of authenticity you know and also because him beyond his personality because in death we are not personality anymore there is something around still for maybe a few moments more but that in in the truth of that connected with the truth of myself in that and and that is recognition that is the beauty the beautiful recognition yeah and also the the finito thing you know like okay now it's over all our words all our misunderstanding all our stuff that have been there since years you know gone now it's like it's really like the white flag up and now my work through through the constellations for instance my work is that you know i i started the new the new training this year so every year i start one and i i i said this training i i really specially doing it for my relationship with my father because you know my mother she is clearly in the core of my heart but my father is still some few steps away from that core so I, my intention is that during this year I do some other pieces of work to let these other few steps so then it can go in the core where my mother is and be there together. So that I would feel inside like, oh, I've done another important piece slowly now, you know, that I can call back that love clearly in, and then I have them together, you know, one close to the other one. Side by side. Side by side. And and so many people will benefit from this because the discord in family systems, I feel, I mean, I talk about that every day with with a client. Every day. There is there is a conversation around family discord in some way. I feel that your work does does wonderful things and it has done wonderful things for me. And I'm so grateful to you and I'm grateful for your voice in the world. It just is a, a very powerful one. So thank you for sharing it. Oh, my love. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank, yeah, thank you. Thanks for, for being here and for sharing your many, many, many gifts. I appreciate your time mm. today. Oh, thank you for invitation you know I, I would never done a podcast without your invitation that's that's the first time and that's it's so you did great. it's cool it's really cool i like it it's just a normal yeah. conversation as we have you know by having a cappuccino and a talk you know this is nice. absolutely the the goal of this has been just a normal conversation has been the the feeling for me and and i like this style you know it's it's a really just gentle way to also get to to show other people your who you are in in the most natural way because because i know you in a way and, and they know, love you like... and they and they love you so much also yeah fleur they love you so much yeah <laughs> they love me i don't know some some yeah. people love me <laughs> i can uh, let's say my inner voice says that <laughs> they do love you so much <laughs> thank you and i trust well, i trust 
<laughs> I trust that inner voice, you know. <laughs> yeah. I'm grateful. I'm grateful to get to do this kind of work and and I'm grateful to just keep exploring it. Mm. Oh, wow. thank you. Grazie. Well, I hope I see you in the near future. You'll have to hope our paths cross at some point. I do hope so, Fleur. You are most welcome whenever yeah, you want. Thank you. And you'll have to let me know if you're ever in Lisbon or life ever brings you over to Portugal or wherever in the world I'm thank at, you. at the time. <laughs> Yeah. Well, thank you for sure. If you are still, if you are still there, if you didn't go to New York, you know, if you don't move, also, you know, you know that Elsa, my my wife, she's from Portugal, right? Oh yeah, really? I didn't know this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She yeah. she um, I mean, they came from Mozambique to Portugal when she was uh, five years old, and then she grew in Portugal, and then mm. and then when I when I met her in Switzerland. And we, I went to visit her by train from Bari, three days to reach wow. Lisbon. And we met for Christmas there. And then she came in April in Italy. And then we started to live together. And I, I was there. I was living in Ericeira. I had a little restaurant mm. in Ericeira with my brother. No, really? Yes. How cute. And yes, yes. And um, we are thinking also different times to come and have a place in uh, in Portugal, in Lisbon, and, and live also because it's such a wonderful space and time and became even more international in the past years so it's a, it's a wonderful place also climate wise but also international vibe wise it's a beautiful place to yeah. be yeah no it's changed so much even in the three years that i've lived here it has been crazy to watch it change yeah in a great way too you know because it was so removed from the rest of the world in a way. Well, it was because up until it the was. 70s, it was completely oh, yes. removed. Um, yes. <laughs> and I it remember. took some time. Uh, and so I feel only really in the last five years has it started becoming part of the world in a way. And then the the change is is rapid. It's just every day I walk down the street and I think, this wasn't here yesterday. Like, yeah. it really feels like this. <laughs> yeah. Every single day. Started to see how, you know, how, where I was. And basically now when I go there, you know, and I see all this transformation, even between the macho thing with, with men that they are, you know, they are so open more and colorful and connectful. It's, Ah, it feels like, wow, 85, 86, and how many, 30, what, five, six years passed, and such a change also. Beautiful for me to see that. It's really already in in the humanity. It's really beautiful. And then to see also the way that they have made it more beautiful, all the lineage, the Kashkaish, you know, to go until Kashkaish and you can walk and you can just enjoy on the sea. It's, it's so beautiful. You just stop there in a bar and you look at surfistas and you are there and don't do anything. It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. No, it's so, and you're right. It has, it has changed. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. I do, I do like it here, but I think life will tell. I'm never one, I'm never a person to be in one place for long anyways. Um, 
That's it. Okay, now it's good. It's good. It's I'm really just... beautiful. Uh, it's not. It's long enough, you know. Long enough. Yeah, yeah. I'm. I'm almost. Uh, yeah, it's three years, and and I also like. I'm gonna be traveling so much for work, so I think there's also this. You know, it's like, where do you even want to have your base? I'm sure you know this as well. You're gonna be in Sweden tomorrow, and like, it, yeah, it's all good. So, but I'm happy you're doing so well, and I'm happy that that all is all is good. Thank you for this. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you.